Thank you, guys. That was just a sweet presence right now. I just so good. You know, trust can be the hardest thing and the easiest thing. It's kind of a strange thing. It's the hardest thing and the easiest thing. Easiest, because when you really trust, it's all out of your hands. It's in his hands, and you just go for the ride. He carries you, and he takes care of you. But uh, it's hard to trust sometimes, because we have this thing where we're just trusting more what we see, feel, hear, think, and smell. And... and, uh, so it's hard to break through that. But once you do, it proves, it proves how good Jesus is. So, amen. That's probably good. We can go home now. <laughs> well, no, we got some, we got some stuff coming too. Um, if you want to turn to 1 Corinthians 2 and verses 6 to 8. And before we look at that, I just want to ask you, do you like a good story? Who likes a good story? Who wants a good story? Well, okay, you're in luck today, or you're blessed today, because I've got a story that will blow you away. Ready? It's the story of your life. Oh, you guys, I wanted to hear something. No, it's the story of your life. Everyone in here is an incredible book. Everyone in here is a real page-turner. Oh, not me. You say, oh, my life is dull. What, what, what's going on with me? Everything, if you've put your trust in Jesus. Everything, if you're seeking him. Everything, if he's the Lord of your life. You've got a story, and your story is a good, awesome story. You're not just waking up and here comes another day, although we feel like that, right? Sometimes we feel like it's another day. Oh, Lord, help me. We ought to be waking up saying, what do you want from me today, Lord? This is your story. This is your your situation. My life is yours. And when you come to that place, things change. And now the reason I'm talking about your story and getting us to see our story for what it really is is because we don't really pay attention to the actual story of our life. We are hearing stories from other sources, stories from the world, stories from the devil, stories from our circumstances, how our feelings sometimes can tell us a story, and that can lead us into a place of what we all know as the blahs. And I came up with this because one time I was feeling the blahs. You ever just feel the blahs and you don't know why? It's just like, oh. I mean, blahs. And I started to think about it and I I stopped everything. I said, wait a second. Why am I feeling the blahs? What's my story? What's my story? Why, Why should I feel the blahs? I'm blessed. If we knew the story, God so loved the world that he gave himself for us, that we're fearfully and wonderfully made, that we are the object of his constant attention and care, and that he has an inheritance for us, and that all things are working together for our good, that we have an eternal glory to revel in and to even taste and partake in now to a degree. When we get the story straight, it turns our blahs into blesses. I'd rather have the blesses than the blahs, right? But it takes a minute to stop and say, wait a second, why am I feeling the blahs? Why, why do I think this is all blah right now? What is my story? What's your story? 
And the world's telling us a story, the devil's telling us a story, circumstances telling us a story, but what is God speaking to us? And that's the story we want to go with. Because when we live according to God's story, his story is awesome, right? And when we live according to his story, his story becomes your story, and the rest is history. His story becomes your story, the rest is history. So what's your story? Well, in 1 Corinthians 2, 6 through 8, it's talking about wisdom. Wisdom is something that comes from knowledge. A lot of people have knowledge, but they don't have wisdom. Wisdom is the practical outworking of knowledge, the response and what is produced. And, and this is talking about wisdom that uh, Paul was talking about. We are speaking wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So all of that is to say here, you know, talk about wisdom is what you do with knowledge. What is the knowledge coming from? Well, we see the wisdom. There's a wisdom of this age or the world. That's another translation for that and of the rulers, and we see that that's all coming to nothing. So when you're feeling the blahs, here's what you can say. This is not something that's going to last. What's my story? We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the wisdom that was ordained before the ages for our glory. I, you know, when I feel the blahs or when I feel down, it's like I feel like there's an unhappy ending coming, but I got to remind myself, what's my story? I have something that's uh, designed, ordained before the ages that's for my glory. I don't deserve that. It's a mystery. How could God give that to me? But that's what we have in Christ. And the things that the world is speaking to us, we have to remember, say, no, that's not going to give me my cues. See, in this passage, the wisdom gave the wrong cues to those who have crucified the Lord. Had they known had they known who, what they were doing, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So we take our cues from a story that we're hearing, that we're telling ourselves, that we're subscribing to, and we act, we respond. And sometimes, as Paul wrote in another place, the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. And yet we start to subscribe and give in to these things and these narratives around us forgetting that it's all coming to an end, forgetting that God has something else that's for our glory, and that when we respond, we can actually get it wrong, even if we're seeking the Lord. The Pharisees were seeking the Lord, but they got the story wrong, right? So a lot of people get the story wrong about Jesus. There are a lot of people who give Jesus a good word, a good name, but they say he's a teacher or he's, he's the founder of Christianity. That's not getting the whole story. You can get a lot worse. The Islamic faith, Muhammad, uh, they, they hold Muhammad up as a prophet and Jesus as a prophet, but he's no greater than Muhammad. That's the wrong story. The uh, Mormons and the Jehovah's Witnesses, anyone have them knocking on your door? We don't agree. We don't believe the same thing. They use the same words. They use the name of Jesus, but they have a different idea of who Jesus is. And we have to say, if we want our story to be right, we have to have the right story about Jesus first. Uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses called Jesus, if you look into their literature, 
eventually you'll get to the place where he's described as a spirit creature who became human when he was born. He was actually Michael, the archangel, before that. The, Mus uh, the Mormons, they'll talk about Jesus as a spirit being, just a, a spirit being like we all are, that was exalted to godhood first and became our example. And these things just, you know, they are, it's, why is this important? Why is it important we get the story right about Jesus? Because as we talked about last week, Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus is alive. And when you have a relationship with someone, you have to have a relationship with them in the truth of who they are. What would it be like if you were, if you were uh, close to someone and they turned out not to be the person you thought they were? That's happened before, right? And you want to be sure that you're right with Jesus because he is not just a spirit being that became exalted to Godhood. He was the first and the last. He was the eternal one who condescended and became man and died for us so that we could have the mystery of the ages that was ordained beforehand for our glory, that we could have eternal life and the relationship with an almighty Lord and Savior who is over all and who will be reigning over all in the end. That's our story, and we're sticking with it. Amen? That's our story. We are not just tied to a strange spirit being, a strange spiritual creature. We're not just tied to a good teacher. A lot of the secular world says Jesus was a good teacher. Well, they don't listen to what he taught, or they would come to him and know that he was more than just a good teacher. He was the eternal one who, who went down for us. But the Pharisees, like I said, crucified the Lord of glory they would not have done it if they had really known. They were zealous for God. And there's a lot of people in the church who are zealous for God. And, I, you know, you can get the story wrong about Jesus even when, you, when you're, you have most of it right. And what do you mean by that? I'll just give you an example. Because what I'm trying to do is, is get Jesus to be raised up to the highest place in your heart, the highest place in your mind, highest place in your thinking, your spirit and everything. we got to think better of Jesus. But when we see pictures, we see pictures of soft, uh, white, glazed, skinned Jesus. That's not Jesus. I mean, we get these images of Jesus, and it's not Jesus the mighty. And sure, he was crucified but he was even, that was the mightiest place in the world when he was crucified on the cross. What mighty person would not have uh, come down if he had the power and took vengeance on his enemies? And he could have done so and, and no one would have blamed him for it. But the mightiest man who ever walked this planet stuck to his position of doing God's will and going the full term in a very dreadful situation so that he could come to the other side and bring in multitudes to glory. That takes might. That takes strength. But you see these pictures of soft, we, you know, glazed Jesus. It's sweet, but and I'm sure Jesus was sweet, but it's not the whole picture. I, I went by a church uh, one time at Easter a few years ago, and there was a sign outside the church saying, we celebrate our hero's victory over death. And I just want to say, a hero is a good thing. And it's not wrong to call Jesus a hero. So don't feel condemned if you've ever expressed that. But what I want to say is, what's the story? He's more than just a hero. A hero could be any extraordinary individual, right? A hero could be a firefighter, a policeman, a parent, a teacher. A hero could be anyone who's done extraordinary things, who has noble, noble and integrity in their lives. 
that's a hero. And yes, Jesus meets all those, those qualifications. But I'm saying that he transcends the word hero. He transcends it. He's not just a hero. He's God. He, he's, he, there's not a, a word that can describe him other than God. God being the most set apart. No one like you, O Lord. He's transcending the hero level. And hero might be the highest level we could have on a human thing. But I'm just saying, we trivialize Jesus. We don't even know. We mean, we mean well. We have good intentions. But we need to get back to this place where we're saying, this is more than just a good teacher, a good man. It is more than just, just a hero. This is God. And, and this is my God. And this is the one who condescends to have a relationship with me, who, who, who loves us. I was thinking the other day, we were, I was talking with a friend, and we were talking about how friends just sometimes lose their friendships, and people get disappointed with people, and it's very simple. You have good friends, and even your good friends, sometimes they're no longer your good friends. They did something to disappoint you. You did something to disappoint them. And the human relationship situation is just so vulnerable and shaky and unstable when you think of it like that. And then I thought about the Lord and how much we must disappoint him, and yet he doesn't turn away from us. He pursues us. He continues on with us. That's the mystery that was ordained before the ages. That's the story. He's not going to leave us nor forsake us. We are so, so easy to give up on relationships. And, and uh, the Lord has every reason to give us up, and he doesn't do it. And daily, probably, daily, probably, we give him reason to. But our story is that we've got a loving one who, who died for us, and because he died for us, uh, how much more will he not give to us? Uh, he will give us everything. He gave his very life. So, many were angry at the Lord when he came. They crucified him because they had the wrong story. What was their story? The Pharisees, they thought that Jesus was going to deliver them from the Roman oppression. But the actual story that Jesus came was for to deliver us, deliver them from sin. He had to deliver us from our wicked hearts, from the sins that destroy us and from the sins that bring us down, that bring the blahs. He, he came to die for our sins so that we could be ready for what he had in eternity to fulfill what he's ordained before the ages. And so the Pharisees had the story wrong. I told you that the Mormons and the Jehovah's Witness, the Muslims, and the world has the story wrong. Do we have the story wrong about Jesus? We might have doctrinal truths right about Jesus, but a lot of times people think that Jesus just came into their life to fix my life. I want him to make my life better. And it's true, he can fix your life and make your life better, but that's not the story. That's not why he came. He will fix your life. He will make your life better, but his ultimate purpose is to make you better for life to make you better, to make you fit, to make you ready for your inheritance because we are in training for reigning. He is the vine. Like I said, he wants to have a relationship, the life sap flowing through him to you, giving you a relationship to build you up so that you can accomplish God's purposes for your life and for the kingdom and be ready to rule and reign for the kingdom to come. Training for reigning, as we've said before. He's the vine. And a lot of people just take him as the vending machine. I need this. I need this. Give me this. Give me this. Help fix me. 
He will fix you. He will give you that. But you got to get your story straight so that when it doesn't come exactly at the time that you're wanting it, you don't fall apart like an old used-up suitcase. You, you, you stand strong. You stand firm. You understand. He came to make my life better. And even in this situation, what's my story? He's prepared all things for me. He's given me all things. So what does he want from me in this situation? How does he want me to be better in this situation? How can I depend on him and trust in him for that life sap relationship? After all, he is the divine one. I have access to the divine. What's his story? Why did he come? 1 John 3.8 says that he came to destroy the works of the devil. He came to destroy the works of the devil. And if he is the destroyer of the works of the devil, that means that we have something to do with it. He, he lives in us, and he wants to accomplish his, his purposes in our lives. So we're partly, uh, should be a, we're partly, we should partly have that mindset. We are here to destroy the works of the devil. That's why we do things like the walk for life, and we do things to raise money for good causes and support missionaries, and that we want to serve and do what we can because everything that we do the devil hates because we are advancing God's kingdom just that much as much as we do. And with every step we take, the devil's kingdom diminishes because we got to have the right story on the devil too. If we want our story, what's, what's our story? We should know something about the devil's story. And that will help us to become stronger in our story. How so? Well, let's look at that. Uh, the devil's story, the devil's telling us a story. He says, this is my season, and he's not lying. This is my season. But he's not telling the whole truth. It's a temporary season. It's a temporary season. And he doesn't have all the power. It is true this is his season. And there's a lot of things that we can say are true, but it's not the whole truth. What is your situation right now? It's true I'm going through some difficulties, but that's not the whole truth. God is with me. God is working these things. And this is ordained for my growth and for his coming through. It is so sweet to trust in Jesus. We'll prove him if we can trust him in it. And then he brings out a testimony. They say you can't have a testimony without a test. right? But what's our story? We think it's, oh, it's all over now. We don't realize, hey, this might just be a test and I'm going to have a testimony. What if we went through our trials and difficulties thinking, man, this stinks right now, but I'm going to have great testimony. I'm going to have something to share when God gets me through this. And you will. You can look back at the ways he's worked in your life and, and remind yourself. I was doing that the other day. I was looking through some old journal things that I'd, I'd written. I was, you know, it's how quick we are to forget what God has done in the past. But the times, the times of the devil are limited, and he's already a defeated foe. Look at Isaiah 14, verse 12 to 17. Now, this is a passage that is pretty prophetic. It's, it's primarily about the king of Babylon. But it has been read and it can be prophetically tied as uh, relating to the devil's story. So what is the devil's story? If we look at this from Isaiah 14, 12 to 17, I guess we're not going to get that up on the screen. I'll turn to it. Use my cheaters. All right. So I, Isaiah 14, 12 to 17, it's about the king of Babylon, but listen to how it parallels 
the story of the devil. It says, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet you shall be brought down to hell, to the lowest depths of the pit. Those who see you will gaze at you and consider you, saying, Is this the man who made the earth tremble, who shook kingdoms, who made the world as a wilderness, and destroyed its cities, who did not open the house of his prisoners? So there you have what, what we know was in the, the devil's heart. I will ascend and be like the Most High. I will be the ruler of this thing. But the end is clear from this passage and from we get from Scripture that the devil's cast down. The devil's no longer going to maintain that place of ruling and reigning. And it's going to be to the place where at the end we're going to be looking and saying, is this the one that was giving me all this trouble? Is this the one I was afraid of? Is this the one that brought so much tumult to the nations and and made all this that thing and we're going to be astounded because all the while we have the greater one living in us what's our story greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world a lot of people say man i don't know the devil's attacking me we ought to say hey that devil can't attack me he's a defeated foe and that's his story colossians 2 15 says that Jesus, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. And that, that is a reference to what the Romans did when they, they got their uh, enemies and they overcame their enemies. They'd put them in a parade and they'd parade them in, in handcuffs and chains and sometimes they, they would cut off parts of their hands and they showed how helpless their enemy was. It was a victory parade showing them they made a public spectacle of them so that they would no longer be feared, those enemies. Those enemies would no longer be feared. And that's what it's telling us the Lord has done with all the principalities and powers at the cross. He made a public spectacle of them. He defeated them. He ruined our enemies. And so I would used to, in the early days, I'd get so like, oh, the devil's attacking me, and oh, I can't stand all this spiritual warfare. And I'd be you know, gritting my teeth and pushing through it. But when you come to realize, what's our story? Our story is related to the devil's story. The devil's story is that he's a defeated foe. He's already been ruined by Jesus Christ at the cross. His time is limited. It's coming to an end. And we have a greater one living on the inside of us. We can stand up and resist the devil, and he will flee from us. No shouts of, all right. This is your story. Your story is you've got some power. Oh, I just can't help it. He's just attacking me. You've got to get mad and angry Say no, I won't have it. I'm standing on the word. I'm standing on the promise. I'm trusting in Jesus. And the devil's a defeated foe. You say, well, I, I, you know, I don't feel like that kind of warrior. I'm more a worrier. Well, God's got a provision for that. Ephesians 6, 11, he, he gives us, he gives us the armor of God. It says he's put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And what does it mean to stand? It's not a fight to get victory. It's a fight from victory. What's your story? You're already victorious. You're already got the ground. You've, you've already got the ground. You need to learn how to stand. That's what the armor is for. The armor is so that you can stand. You hold the ground. When someone stands, they are keeping 
their turf, keeping their ground. What is your ground? Again, what is your story? What has the Lord done for you? How much does the Lord love you? How long do you have to go before you know that I don't have to take this anymore from the enemy? I have a friend. We worked with him in China, and he had to go home because he was having panic attacks. And it was a serious issue. He couldn't, he couldn't get over these panic attacks. And he finally, uh, we saw him uh, years later, and he was fine. And I asked him about it, and he said, I was just getting tired of waking up with these panic attacks. And, and one day I woke up and realized, I don't need to take this. No, I choose not to take this. And he resisted it, and that, and that got him out. And he was okay. And you say, well, that's, you know, there's other things going on and stuff. Maybe, but you have to at least take a stand. Put on the armor of God. If you put on the armor of God, you can take a stand. You can resist the devil. And as James chapter 4, 7 says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. So I used to get all under the weather. I had the blahs, the blahs, the blahs. I chose the blesses. I still get the blahs. I still have to choose the blesses. How do you get the blesses? Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Again, it's all asking, taking a moment to say, what's the story? Everybody's familiar with Martin Luther, right? Martin Luther was known for fits of depression. And one time he was particularly down. And he went out of the house and he came back just as miserable as ever. And when he came in, he saw his wife surrounded by her children and they were all dressed in black. And he walked in and said, Kate, who died? And Kate, his wife, said, Well, doctor, haven't you heard? God is dead. Otherwise, my husband, Martin Luther, would not be in such a state of mind as he would be if he were trusting in the living God. And Martin Luther apparently started laughing and said, Okay, Kate, I get the point. You can put on your regular clothes now. And he was okay. But the, that's, she basically said, What's your story? You're acting like God is dead. God's not dead. We have a movie that told us that, right? Cheap, cheap, sorry. The word tells us that. The word tells us God's not dead, and that's where we have to sometimes just get back in line and say, what's the story here? God is living. God is with me. And God is not limited and bound to these things. But the world's telling us a different story. And the world's telling us, you're going down. But God says, you're going up. The world says, the darkness is going to increase. But God says, arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. You know, the world, we are experiencing more and more trouble because of foul leadership, and, and not just here, but in all these nations. It's getting worse and worse. Gross darkness covering the land, but the Lord says in Isaiah 61, Arise, shine, for your light has come. This is the time that we're to shine. What's our story? Oh, the world is so heavy and dark. But Psalm 33:10 says that he's bringing to an end the council of rulers. He brings the plans of the people to no effect. Psalm uh, chapter 2, 1 to 4, you can look at that. Why do the nations rage? The Lord shall hold them in derision. These things are happening, and we can get all down and gloomy and dark and depressed and keep the Fox News or CNN News on and just say, oh, it's just so, so bad and dark out there. Or we can say, 
arise, shine, for your light has come. Jesus said that we're the light of the world, that we have something that we can use in this time of darkness. It may be that we're here for just such a time as this. And we will not get past the blahs unless we understand how blessed we are that we have an edge in this time of darkness. We have a light in this time of darkness. We have the Holy One, the Divine One, the Eternal One, and He has promised us a happy ending. And so, uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 9 to 10, let's take a look at our happy ending. It is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of men the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. This is an incredible statement here. We can be talking to someone and saying, you've got an inheritance, you've gotten a, gl a glory coming. We can talk about heaven and speculate about what that means. All, all I can tell you is heaven's not a bunch of people on clouds playing harps, okay? Someone said that'd be really boring if it was just playing harps on the clouds and stuff like that. There's, they've not gotten a revelation. This says that God has revealed to us things that eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has entered into the hearts of man. What God's prepared. God has prepared something. And if you don't have a revelation of this in your spirit, you need to get one. You need to say, Lord, reveal it to my spirit. It doesn't mean that you can explain what's going to happen when we get there. And so we were talking to this guy. He said, well, I think it'll be pretty boring and harps and things like that. I said, no, no, no. We don't know what's going to be there. But we do know. In my spirit, I know. It's been revealed in the spirit but I can't put it in words, and I can't describe it for you. I, can't, I can speculate a little bit, and I can try to share what I feel in my heart, and maybe you can do the same. But it's just something that is ultimately beyond what eye has seen, what ear has heard, and what's entered into the hearts. God is so much greater. In fact, maybe that's why we can't handle yet the actual what's coming, but it's going to be a happy ending to our story. And if we really understand, the more we grow in him, the more we know these things, we won't be intimidated when things look otherwise. Remember when Jesus was born, it looked like a sad situation. I mean, there was no guest room for him. Uh, you know, it was pretty sad situation looking. And yet, what was the heavenly interpretation? They were saying, glory to God in the highest, to the shepherds. And so you, you have to remember the story. The, the angels knew the story. They had to share that with the shepherds. And maybe Mary and Joseph knew something of the story because they were pondering these things in their hearts. But it didn't look so wonderful. But the cross looked awful. And yet the cross was producing the greatest victory that we just talked about, making a spectacle of Satan and his minions. So could it be maybe the difficulty the trial you're going through right now might actually be your victory, might actually be your preparation, your process, the actual way that God is getting victory to you and through you, for you. And we just don't see it or know it, but we, we have to say that's our story. And we go to the Lord in prayer to get the strength to make it through it and remind ourselves that it's not woe is me, it's blessed is me. And that I've got more than... I even know that I can even express according to this. I'm going uh, to Kyrgyzstan, I'm telling you, at the end of June. And it's going to be a 12-hour 
flight to get to Istanbul and then a five-hour flight to Kyrgyzstan? Well, that's nothing. In China, my flights overseas were like 13 to 15 hours on the longest stretch. And I'll tell you, it's no fun to take those long flights. <laughs> but uh, and one, one flight, I always get the aisle seats because on a long flight, 15 hours on a flight, I want to get up and walk around. And I want to be able to be free to use the bathroom stuff without, without having to crawl over someone who's sleeping and eating and things like that. So I always want the aisle seat. And so I, I make a point to order that seat. I made a point on one trip to order the aisle seat. And when I got my boarding pass, I, I found out that it wasn't an aisle seat. And I thought, I need to get this changed. So I went to the counter. And uh, there was a young lady at the counter. I said, excuse me, I'm sorry, but... I, I had ordered an aisle seat. I don't think this is an aisle seat. Can you help me and fix this for me? She said, oh, let me see it. And she's tapping some things and stuff. Well, um, hmm. Oh, let me, can you wait just a minute? And she went back behind somewhere. And I was like, okay, I hope I get it. And then she came at, back all smiles and said, here you go. It's all taken care of. I said, oh, great, thank you. And so I just looked at it and went on, waited for the plane to start boarding. The plane starts boarding, and I get on the plane, and I show the attendant my, my seat, and she says, oh, it's right over here, right up front, right in business class, which is like first class, really. And when I got, to, I looked up at the, the sign, and I looked at the ticket, I looked at the number, looked at the ticket, looked at the number again, I said, wait, is this a mistake? I, you know, and she said, no, that's your seat. And I saw this luxurious seat that was going to, totally reclined, that there was nobody sitting right next to me, and there was a bigger screen, and there was all that, uh, and I just, I just started to cry. <laughs> I, sat down, I sat down, and I started to cry. I said, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This is going to be the best. It was the one flight I didn't want to stop, and I was so thankful, and I was just emotionally touched, and just so full of gratitude and everything, and then the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, if you knew what I have prepared for you, you'd be melting down like this all the time. You'd be shedding tears of thanks and gratitude. And I thought, wow. And maybe it's a mercy that we don't know because we wouldn't be able to make it through. We'd be so melted by his love. And yet, that's what he's preparing for us. He's preparing us to be able to handle that, to, to work with him in glory, to be ready. And he wants us to be in a place where we're not ruined by it. So that's our story. That's your story. And you, like I said, everyone in here is an incredible book, a real page turn. So get, start writing your story down. But uh, when next time you come up against something, and you're feeling otherwise, just stop and say, wait a second, what's my story? What's, what's, the, what's the truth in this situation? I know things are true in this situation, but what's the truth? And God will see us through. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have prepared so much for us, and thank you that you've brought us to this place thus far. And thank you, Lord, that you promised to lead us all the way. And so I pray, Lord, that you just touch each of us with a, a greater knowledge, greater revelation, a greater heart for you. 
and that you'd help us, each one in our personal challenges right now, uh, help us to be mindful of your presence and your story behind it. Help us to finish well and to come to our exciting conclusions that we just glorify you and praise you and love you as we get to be with you in glory forever. In Jesus' name, amen.